We are in Acts chapter 6. I'm actually going to kind of put myself on the... Good? Okay. Acts chapter 6. We are going to look into um, this man. Uh, Let's open it a word of prayer and then we'll make some comments first before we get started. Father, we just thank you for uh, your word. And we, as we open it, we just ask you to show us wondrous things from your law. And it's in your son's name that we do pray. Amen. Okay, so Acts chapter 6, is um, it's rare that as we go through the progressives, uh, you know, the biblical order of things, that you come across a chapter and it's only 15 verses. You know, sometimes you come across, like Mike's next week, Lord willing, you know, his is what, 60-something verses. So it's very, very large and... And and when we come to this, um, to 15, um, uh, excuse me, verse, verse uh, chapter 6, um, there's not that many verses. And sometimes you say, well, it's just a stepping stone for Stephen and really introducing him to, to us. Because the very next chapter is he's, he's there and, he's, and he has a great audience. You know, he has their religious people who... He's been, uh, you know, working amongst and, and being a witness to. But really, um, six has, there's a lot going on. So let's, before we get into any more what's, what, what, what's happening at this point, let's look at our outlines. So, okay, so chapter six. So before we get started reading, actually, yeah, before we get started reading, we're going to look at where we're at in Acts chapter six. Okay, so. We're going to look briefly into Acts 1. Sometimes when you do the, 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 the catch-up, sometimes that takes you know, uh, you know, 80% of the time. We're not going to spend too much time. But it does help us understand what's going on and, and where this is at, because what, what the church is looking like. Okay, so I got this just right off the Internet. It's just a simple um, drawn map that somebody uh, put together that they think uh, what... Um, Israel looked like Judea at the time. It was, of course, that was what the 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 name that in Palestine, what the Romans gave to it. It's a providence, right, of Rome. Rome is still the ruling authority. So here's Jerusalem. So when the Lord Jesus was here, right, he was traveling all around here doing things. He has now been falsely accused. He has been put to death in Jerusalem. He has been buried and he rose again. Right now. In chapter, we started all the way in chapter one. That this is, uh, as Jamel covered, uh, this is the uh, we're seeing what the church did after uh, Jesus has now left. Right, the Holy Spirit has come down in, in Acts chapter two. What are they doing? And sometimes you just like, well, this is just great history. But it, it actually, as we're going to see here, the very first chapter, very first uh, verses, we're going to see that there's a problem going to come up. I mean, does how do we handle problems as a, as a corporate body, especially those that tear at our fabric, right, our emotional fabric, and sometimes can make us so angry with one another, right, that we end up leaving and separating? Well, how do we how do we handle that? Anyway, so uh, the church is primarily primarily located here. Now, you think about it today. You know, we have some visiting from other states, right? We have some people that um, that came from other countries, right? And but at this time, right, the church is right here. They only spoke one language. No, that's not true. They might have spoke different languages, but primarily, right, Aramaic, whatever it was in that time, 
they were, there was a Hebrew church, right? For all they knew, he was a Hebrew God too. Because a lot of times, I mean, Peter had to learn this lesson later in this, in this book, right? That God was spreading out towards the Gentiles. But at this point, it's just primarily Jews that are coming and being saved. Now, as a whole, the nation has pushed him away. This is also going to happen in chapter 7. This is very, this is the first part of it in chapter 6. But this sets the ground for this. But, okay, so one, uh, the Holy Spirit has come, right? The, the, the apostles and the early disciples, right? There's about 120 of them. They, uh, the Holy Spirit has come, right? The Holy Spirit now is working through the church. They go out and start witnessing. We're, we're given the recorded messages of, of Peter and three and four. So they're out here working, right, in Jerusalem. That's their mission field at this point. The church is just located in one location, okay, one location. It isn't actually until what actually happens later in 7 that in 8 that this man comes in, was practically a terrorist at the time, but his name is Saul, right? We know him as Paul later. But he comes in and he starts ravaging and hauling people away to prison in this uh, in the church of Jerusalem. And what happens is, is there's a dispersion, right? And then they start going into Samaria. They start spreading out. The Lord used this guy, even when he wasn't on the Lord's side, <laughs> to do his work, right? Isn't that amazing? Now, Paul at the time, obviously, he would recognize that later. But he, he was actually trying to inflict pain. He thought he can do something against the church. But instead, he was actually, the Lord used that. And Philip and whatnot, we read all of their stories later. So at this point in Acts 6, the church is located in one location. There's not multiple, uh, like, local places where people are meeting, right? It hasn't spread out beyond Jerusalem at this point. It will soon. Okay. So in 6, um, and oh, before we... Um, Actually, no. Let's just go to, to, to 6, and then we'll read another verse. I want to read before also another one. Okay. So, uh, let's just start reading. Oops. Okay. Now in these days, there's, there's only, there's only uh, 15 verses. So, we will just go through this as much as we can as time permits. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. That's where we're going to stop. Okay. So we have two groups. Remember, the church is located in one location. Um, uh, we tend to, uh, you know, when we deal with problems, like sometimes the, the solution that we have, even when it's something when, when we're dealing with it within our church, right, and it's two members that have an issue with each other, I'm just going to pick up and leave. Can't do that here because there's no other place that they can meet. So when an issue rises up, you got to work through it, right? Now, again, I'm not saying that that is ever the response that you should do with any kind of problem. Not just talking about problems within the church, right? Because look what happens. You know, you, um, uh, you think of Elijah. Think of um, uh, Jonah. You know, there's something that happens. There's an issue that they're confronted with, and they said, you know what? I think I'm going to take that and just going to run with it. I'm going to get as far away as I can, right? But what ends up happening is you end up carrying it with you, and God brings it back into your face until you face it, right? Elijah, you know, after that great victory up there on the mountain, and he, he kills all those prophets, right? He, you find him in the very next chapter running for his life. And it's not until the Lord meets him and says, listen, you need to confront this. Go back. I'm going to be with you that he finally learned something. 
And, and if we just are continually running away from problems and running away from hard situations, the Lord's just going to keep bragging and putting it right in front of our face until we deal with it the way he wants us, right? There's a lesson to be learned. And so it's never a great, I mean, I'm not saying it's never the, the right solution. Sometimes it is, right? In, in the case of, of Acts 8, right, they ended up running away, but not the apostles, but the, the church as a, as a whole ran away, but the Lord used that to spread, right, in the outer reaches of Judea. But there's an issue. So how are we going to deal with it? How are we going to deal with it? There's two groups of people, right? Again, they're all Hebrews, they're all Jews, but there's two cultures involved. One is a, a Hellenist, right, which is um, a Greek-type culture. The other one is the, uh, they call them just against the Hebrews. So the ones that are native to um, the culture there in Jerusalem, and then you have another culture that is inspired by a Greek type of culture. They might have been traveling there, in, remember, because a lot of the um, uh, uh, great evangelistic outreach evangelistic outreaches by Peter and whatnot were during very big feasts. And there were a lot of people there. So they might have been traveling there, and they meet the Lord, and they get saved. They said, listen, there's nothing else for me to do out here. In the right. I'm staying right here. So they might have been from another culture. Still Hebrews, right? Still Jews, but there's two different cultures. And so what um, what you have here, and if this is, um, there's a program Right when when the church was started, was it well received amongst the community there in Israel? Like, do uh, the unbelievers, the other unbelievers, like, do you think they received the Christians well? No, I mean, look at the way they treated the Lord Jesus. Right, they they killed them, and so they would do anything. Right, they didn't want to do they didn't want anything to to do with the Lord Jesus because you know what, they felt guilty about it. And so now they have these people that are called Christians, right? That, well, not at this point they're called this, but, you know, they, these people that are believers that are following after him, his disciples, they, of course, are going to be very hostile to them. And so let's just take, for example, the Moody family here. You know, they, they come from a, a strong Jewish, uh, this is all example, but they, they come from a strong Jewish uh, faith and, and, and a community, and they meet the Lord Jesus, and as a whole family, they get saved, right? They make their personal decisions. But now now we as the temple here, we say, you know what? You can't do that and still meet in our temple and be part of our commune here. We're going to throw you out. And so these, these, these early Christians were being cast out of the programs and the food programs and the, and the, as we would think today, the welfare programs of that day, right, that they used to take care of their own. Because now they feel like, listen, this decision wasn't just, sometimes it was life and death. But it wasn't as today, well, some people do have to make a decision when and the family throws them out and, and there's a disownment. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but then it really did. As a whole, the community just chucked them out and said, listen, you're not part of any of this. You, fine, you want to you identify with, the, with Jesus, this person who we put to death? Well, you're not going to be part of our program. And so what the early Christians did is, they banded together, and you take, for instance, like um, Barabbas, uh, not Barabbas, uh, now his name, um, Barnabas, thank you. Barnabas, um, he sells his, you know, he has a, a big piece of land, and he sells it, and he says, listen, the Christians need food, the Christians need some um, money, I have enough, the Lord's given me extra, I'm going to take that and sell it, and I'm just going to give it to the apostles' feet. We covered it last week, right? And so they had this program 
of, of, of pooling their resources together to meet, you know, the Moody's, to meet the Donnell's, to meet people's needs as they needed it. So it wasn't like, um, and now my dad talked about it, it was communism, not communism, right? There's a social programs today that try to do the better for, uh, do the best for the community, but oftentimes it's misused and it becomes a dictatorship. But, you know, this is what's happening. And so there's, um, there's a complaint, right? As in anything, right, when there's people close in proximity with each other, there's going to be friction, right? You know, and again, back to the original, what I said about problems, you know, we want to handle the problems by getting away from people. Yeah, it's going to help because you're getting away from people, but you know, you end up carrying it with you wherever you're at. So when there's people, there's going to be friction. And so these um, Hellenist Jews or Christians, excuse me, stop saying that because they're Christians now at this point, they have a complaint. They said, listen, the native uh, uh, Hebrews here are overlooking our widows, they're overlooking the people that we have a special affinity for because they're from our own culture. They're overlooking it. Now, I want to just take a stop here because um, uh, especially today, you know, I'm going to read one verse. This is what is so powerful about um, the Bible and really what the Holy Spirit can do through it. Um, sometimes we come across this and, and we don't really... I mean, so we do come across it, and when we see it, it just really um, hits us home because we realize how living and powerful the Word of God is. Um, this is Hebrews 4. We were in Hebrews earlier, but it says this in 12. You don't have to turn. It says, and this is how it describes the Word of God. It says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing between the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning in thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, a lot of times um, with unbelievers you know one of their rebuttals to the christian faith is oh that was written a long time ago and you know what that has been you know you might even hear that's been changed by this person and changed to that person to to meet their own uh their own um whatever they're pushing for this group is is pushing for and we're going to change the scripture to meet this and and but the you know this is how now again this is how the word of god describes itself that it's living and active first of all and it says that it's the type of weapon a sword you say well what a sword like who uses a sword maybe that's a novelty item you know you cannot make swords you know my son makes sword but not real but then a sword was a weapon right and it says that this sword this type of sword the word of god what it is is that it's able to divide the to pierce uh, to divide the soul and spirit, right? The emotional parts of me and pull them apart and decide and, and able to discern the thoughts and intents that I have. Now, listen: is there any weapon or is there any kind of tool in this world that's able to do that? We have people that dedicated to professions, right, of that to try to study the human mind, but the Word of God is able to do it. The Holy Spirit's able to do it. It's living and active. And sometimes we, we go through life and we have these problems and, and situations and we say, well, listen, how do we handle, for instance, getting active in some kind of social, um, uh, like, for instance, the, the temperature of today, right? There's, there's a big push to, uh, uh, for rights and, and things like that and to undo this ugly past of slavery and everything else. And we want to get involved. How do we handle this? Like, what does the Word of God say about this? Well, the Word of God has, when you come across this, when I came across this passion, I'm like, wow, there it is. Early, even the church, early racism, right? That's essentially what it is. How did they handle this? And what did they do? 
and really, I asked myself this question too. Um, this is just a, a little bit of a cultural application. How do I handle and what do I want to get involved in? Sometimes we can pour our lives not just into, you know, things that you, we know that are wrong, you know, pleasures and, 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 and things that are wastes of time. We know that is, but sometimes we feel like we want to be involved in something that's really going to change this world. You know, we think about it. The world pushes these kind of programs, right? They want you to make your life, you know, go save, you know, we say this is a joke, go save, you know, this type of animal and go get involved in this kind of group because they're fighting for rights. But listen, as a Christian, we know where that ends, right? Yes, great that you can, you can, you can, uh, uh, preserve some kind of animal and, and I'm not trying to dis, uh, I'm not trying to belittle that, but what I'm saying is carry that until the end. So say you've gotten involved in some group and you fought for the right to, to vote or whatever it is and you got that, right? You got that in this country, now they can vote. But then what? What if that person that you're fighting a right for ends up dying and they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? You have toiled and done all that kind of work for nothing. Because then, then they're going to meet their true end, right? An eternity away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And really, you know, sometimes Christians can get so torn up and so uh, 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 up in arms because they see the temperature and what's going on. We can get so involved politically, but then we neglect the spiritual aspect of these people that we're fighting for, supposedly, and wanting their rights, right? Do you see what I'm looking at? And, and really, guys, we know, Christians, we know where we're going, right? We know what's the end. We know that the real, the real problem with this world is not, uh, 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 some kind of, um, uh, form of, uh, discrimination or, or slavery. And those things are just branches of the root of the problem. What is it? Sin. Sin is the problem of this world. And the only thing that can solve that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do you promise on the cross? And why would I pour myself into anything trying to chop those branches? And really, that's a, that's a, that's, um, that's an application, right, for myself, not just in a global way. But why would I just pour my life into these kind of problems and get so worked into them? And I'm not saying they're not great. Yes, they have great, uh, what they're looking for, but we know what the real problem is. And the real way to change this world, right, is first of all, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that can do it. So we need to get that out of our brains. There's no amount of Christians that we can pour into government and the amount of, that's not going to happen, right? The world's going to end up, it's spiraling towards a plan that God promoted and is, is put into place. And ultimately it's going to get so bad that the Lord Jesus Christ has to reappear and destroy it, right? It destroyed the army and the, and the acting government and he's going to set up his own, right? Or he's going to be king. But how can we change individuals? The Lord Jesus Christ. No programs, no working for them. And, 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 and trying to increase their rights, it's only through, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And really, when I came across this, the, you know, just this simple form, you know, it, it made me think about what's happening today. And so, what did they do, right? So, the issue is, um, I think I, uh, you want to click on my program, on uh, my slide, um, is that there, there's an early form of discrimination. And so these uh, Hellenists are feeling that, you know what, the Hebrews, um, they're looking over our, our, our widows. And so they said, you know, the, the 12, when it says the 12, it means the 12 apostles, they were summoned. They said, listen, in, 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 um, Kenneth, Kenneth Weiss, uh, he, uh, translates this, the idea of what was this complaint. It was as if they were going like this. They were whispering to one another. 
And it's so much that it got so intense that it boiled out. They were whispering amongst themselves. They weren't going to these other people that, you know, there was this undertone of, of, of animosity that it's just as if one little poke and it just would explode. Sometimes I feel like that at work, right? <laughs> There's just so much animosity in this person's don't trust that person. I mean, it's just so ugly, right? It doesn't, it shouldn't exist in the church, right? With the Lord Jesus Christ as the head, right? That stuff shouldn't exist. So the, the, uh, the apostles detect this. Remember, the church is only one place. It's in Jerusalem. There's only one. And so there they are. They detect it. They, de- they summon everybody. They say, okay, let's, let's try to get this together. What is the solution here? The twelve were summoned, uh, summoned the number of the disciples, right? So they had a church meeting and they said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, the first thing they said, now, sometimes you can come across this and it sounds, man, that, that sounds pretty harsh. You know, they, they said the apostles kind of, you know, maybe they stuck their nose up a little bit. Um, and they said, you know, serving tables, oof. You're never going to catch me doing that. It's not like that. Um, what they're what they're actually saying. This is this is beautiful because really what this shows us is there needs to be a plurality plurality of people in the church. Can't be one man doing everything because it's impossible. And that's what they said. Listen, the Lord has impressed upon us just this little work, this great work of serving tables. And that's the way word for words translated. It's more better translated to running this food distribution program. That's the better idea. Running this food distribution program, this great work, we can't do both. We need to help. We need somebody else to do it, right? This is what the Lord's impressed on our heart. You know, this issue, we need to, somebody else needs to be able to do this. So the apostles did not take it upon themselves. It's not that they were looking say, oh, serving tables, we'll never be able to do that. We'll never, you'll never catch us doing that. It's not the case. It's not, not saying that they never needed a, a, um, a, 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 um, lesson in humility in their lives. It's not, I'm not saying that they ever were, were not, but, you know, that's not what it's saying here. It says, listen, we shouldn't give up preaching the word to go run this program. Brothers, pick from among yourselves seven good, um, seven men of good repute and of the spirit and of wisdom and we, uh, whom we will appoint for this duty. And so what's their solution? It says, listen, you guys pick among from among yourselves seven. Um, you might have to click the presentation. It might not be clicked on the window. That's why I'm not. Oh, there it is. Um, bring these seven people. Uh, you pick them out and we will uh, devote them. But listen, you need to look for this. There's some there's some qualities that we're looking for. Maybe you think about this. This uh, this is interesting. A little side note. You know, there's an issue that arises, you know, maybe we're going to find the person that's the best administrator because this is a food administration program. The div- what, is, what does it say they look for? The apostles told them, let's listen, look for men who of uh, uh, good repute, right, good reputation, full of the spirit and full of wisdom, and we will appoint us to the duty. What are they looking for? People that are already serving and being filled, right? That are full, they're, they're so in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're filled and walking with his spirit. And that's who we want. Not somebody who already had some kind of talent or something in food administration, right? That might be useful, but no, we want somebody, you know, what we need is somebody who's already in, in close fellowship with God. And, and, and you know, what's interesting, you know, sometimes and I even said this, you know, 
the, what's the key to being, now I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself about Stephen, but, you know, what's the key to being very successful in working, in working with the Lord Jesus Christ? You might think the top of my list might have been, I just need to be available. Yeah, that's true, you know, because if I'm filling my time with my own pleasures, there's no way that I can be available. Look at what it says here. It says that look for people who have a good reputation, right? They already have a, a history of walking and serving, but they're full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. Now, we're going to talk about this really quickly, but what they're looking for is somebody who's already in close fellowship with God. And if this person who has is seeking after what God seeks, they're the right man for the job. Because you know what? They're going to be put in a situation where there's going to be people, right? Whenever there's people, there's going to be friction. And if they're not closely walking with the God, uh, walking with the Lord, and the Lord, uh, they're in so close communion with them, and they're reading the Word, and they're able to decide when the issue arises. You know, that's the right person for this type of work, right? It's not the person that's you know maybe has some kind of skill in administration. You know, the Lord might use a person like that. But what is it? He what what is it, what is it that they're after? A person who's in close fellowship with the full of the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, and not only that has applied it in wisdom, and we will appoint this for the duty. And but we will devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. <clears throat> and uh, the church responds and says this that that pleases us, uh, that pleased the gathering. So who did they choose? Seven people. First, uh, the subject man. Excuse me, of our chapter, Stephen, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicor, and Timon, and Parmeus, uh, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Now, let me just read six too. And they sent him before the prof, uh, the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on him. Now, these seven guys, not much else is said. Not really much is said about Stephen, right? There's only two chapters dedicated to him, but. Um, you know, what a great way. We're only introduced to him, right, in these two. And, and Paul perhaps mentions him uh, later um, in his own testimony. But, you know, you, you think about, you know, I don't even know how old he was. You know, but what a life that would have been, you know, you think, well, that must have been a waste. You know, here, no, it wasn't, right? There's only two chapters. And what he dedicated his life to, and he was so in love with the Lord Jesus, right? And he ended up, Right, just serving in, in in close fellowship with with the uh, with with his with his savior, right? And then he's moved into this position of food administration and serving tables. And then next time he finds himself, right, he's sitting and he's been falsely accused like his savior. And then he's put on trial like his savior. And then he's given an audience, right, of people that he maybe he would not have had an audience with. And then all similar areas is executed but you know there's only that much said and now there's a little bit said about philip i think it's philip i'll just mention this as a side note right philip there's a couple philips mentioned in the bible there's philip the apostle there's this philip and then in chapter eight there's another philip um they might be the same the philip right here that's mentioned in six might be the same as the philip in eight i don't necessarily think it's the same philip of the apostle because in chapter eight the only people who end up staying in Jerusalem is the apostles. So Philip, if he was alive at this point, if he wasn't already martyred, uh, would have been staying in Jerusalem because it says all the apostles ended up staying in Jerusalem, but the church ended up scattering. Okay, so um, what's their solution, right? So put before seven, great, uh, seven men 
There's a little, there's a checklist that you need to go through and they put, the church ends up picking the apostles, just lay their hands and dedicate them to the work. All right. Okay. So as a side note, um, a lot of times, um, you might think, or you might hear, you know, this is like the early deacons now and, in 1 Timothy 3, 8, we actually get, in 1 Timothy uh, 3, this is later in the epistles, that we, we get qualifications for deacons. Now, uh, when you come across this word, this, you, this word of declining, I'm not too well with my Greek, but um, the ministry right here in 6, 2, it says here the 12 were summoned, um, right, and so on, we not give up preaching the word to uh, to. The word of God to go serve tables. That word, that ministry is that, is that, let me do it up here, is that word of, uh, diclonin, right? But when we come to 1 Timothy, uh, 3 8, uh, the word deacon is diclonas, right? So there's, that, that's where they get this, um, this early application before actually the, the, the checklist of what a deacon should look like, right? You have it here in Acts chapter 6. These people that were already you know, in so close fellowship that were being filled and controlled with the Spirit, and they were set apart for uh, a type of work. Now, this is also interesting. I found interesting about this word is it literally means to kick up dust. You say, what? Why would that be interesting? Well, they were serving so hard and with such 100% of their time, their efforts, as if they were running around kicking up dust. And that's what the idea is. That they were, they were so involved. They didn't do it just, you know, 90%, 80%, and, you know, only when I have free time. No, 100%. They were just kicking up dust, running everywhere they could and doing and putting their hand to this work that they were given, right? And so um, that word, serving tables, ministry, sometimes you come across it's translated um, dichlamine. Okay, and so what is, the, what is the result? What happens in the church, right? Um, we never hear about this problem again. It never even mentions it. Did you notice that? I mean, I mean I'm telling you, because we, we can't read ahead to the rest of the chapters. But even in, in the epistles, you don't hear about this food problem uh, ever again. So it, was, it seems to be, have been resolved, but um, there's an increase, right? There's an increase of, of disciples, and the Lord... Really, it's the Lord. It's not the, the, the early Christians, right? Yes, they were just vessels. The Lord was using them. But there was an issue that came up. They handle it the correct way, right? They turn to the Lord, and they look for godly men to run this program, and the Lord gave them an increase. And the Word of God uh, continued, verse 7, to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many priests became obedient to the faith. All right. Um, Really quick, I, I want to. Ooh, I don't want to show my my little title there for my next slide. So I want to take a uh, a, a brief application. Um, I think we can get to the end here of Stephen. Now, Stephen, uh, we mentioned a couple things already about him, but um, when I one phrase that kept popping up as I came across. Now, I say this in jest, but he's a he's a man full of it, right? Now, you say, well, you, you know, we kind of use that phrase as, you know, he's full of lies or he, you can't believe him, he's full of it, whatever it is. But this, this is a great, this is, a, this is actually a, a compliment to the man. He's full of, he's full of five things. And what we're going to see, um, something that we can uh, really aspire to ourselves, right? That wasn't that, 
uh, that he was, you know, he went to the greatest university or he was a priest before. You know, you think about, um, well, we'll talk about it in a second. So what was the first thing we come across, right? In verse um, verse 3, right? He's full of the Spirit. Now, we, we briefly mentioned this already, but um, we, ha- we have to go to the New Testament uh, epistles to see, you know, further commands and further explanation. But to be filled with the Spirit, we'll just say, um, for argument's sake, is to be controlled by, right? To be controlled as simply as it can. Now, there's, you know, several, I don't know, in your own life that, you know, we think of controlled substances, you know, you know, coffee, I guess you can label it as it has some kind of uh, something that can, you know, increase your awakeness. I don't know what the right word is. So that could be maybe labeled as a controlled substance. But anything that can control you, really think about that. How can I apply what is being filled with the Spirit? Well, being controlled by the Spirit. How can I be controlled by the Spirit? How can I find out what God wants me to do? We know the answer, right? The Word of God's near us, right? We don't have to go somewhere far. And how does the Lord speak to us? Well, He speaks to us through His Word. And so this man was full of the Spirit. He was controlled by it. He was, and it's not just like, yes, you know, we mentioned this morning standing on the promises and, 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 and we come to God and, and, you know, some things we, we have no problem putting our faith into. Yes, I have no problem putting my faith into God when he wants to go to battle for me because I know I'm a weakling out there. I'm not that great in, in warfare. But you know what? When it comes to what's best for my life, when it comes to my pleasures, my free time, whatever, that's something that I want to keep to myself. You know, I want to be in control of that. You know, he, this man being filled with the Spirit, he was controlled. He turned everything over, right? And he was, uh, everything about his life, he um, was filled with the Spirit. And and not only that, it wasn't just, um, you know, it was, it was be, well, of course, it was between Stephen and, and the Lord, but everybody else saw it, right? They understood it. And what's the next thing? Very next one, whoops, is that he's full of wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? You think of, you know, sometimes you come across the words wisdom, knowledge, and, and well, wisdom is the idea of actually applying this that you've learned. You know, it's great that, you know, I might know, yes, uh, I might learn addition, uh, subtraction, but where does it now, where can I apply that as wisdom? Well, balancing a checkbook. I mean, do people still do that? I don't know. What's the first thing I said? Balancing a checkbook. But, you know, something that you can do where you're applying it, where you can make a, de- a decision of what you learned and what you have in your past and now uh, uh, apply it to make a wise decision, right? And so that's wisdom. He was full of wisdom. So they saw it. He, in, in a person who's controlled by the Spirit is full of wisdom. That's a very powerful person that the Lord can use, right? Okay. What's the next thing that he's full of? Fast forwarding it. Full of faith. This is in, I believe this is in verse 5. Yes. And they, um, and what they said uh, pleased the whole number, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. Again, full of the Holy Spirit, it says there as well. And what does full of faith look like? Well, it's not, yes, it is trusting in God's promises, but Again, I mentioned it ahead of time. I meant to mention that now is that you trust him 100% of the time, not just when it, when it's convenient and when it's easy for me. Yes, it might be easy for me to turn this part of my life over and to trust the Lord here. But you know what? When it comes to my earnings and what I'm making at work, 
I've got to take matters in my own hands at this point. I can't trust him for that. I need to secure it myself and what, do what's right for myself and be the Lord in that. It doesn't work like that, right? We need full, uh, full trust on him, right? That's what the Lord's looking for. This man, Stephen, was full of faith. Anything that the Lord said, he walked in it, right? He, he went forward in it. Now, I'm not saying he was perfect. No, but he was a man full of faith. What's the next thing we read? This is, we got to go a little bit further. Um, in verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace. We'll just stop there because the next one is uh, what we're looking at. Full of grace. Uh, we, we, we know what grace is. You know, uh, God's riches at Christ's expense, right? Getting something that we don't deserve. It's not just um, mercy where we're, we're spared from something, but actually getting something. Well, what does it mean to be full of grace? Well, the only way a person can be filled with grace, right? These are progressive. It always starts at the top. If I'm controlled by the Spirit, if I'm being directed and, and moved by the Holy Spirit, right, these things would come natural. It doesn't come well, natural. It doesn't come from me, but it comes from a person who's being controlled and who's in close communion with their God that the Holy Spirit um, can use this, right? This is a supernatural thing, full of grace, right? And, 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 the way, and really, um, think about this. Um, at the end of his life, Stephen, um, you know, very, uh, is, Lisa's not here. Oh, Linda's here. She, she can appreciate this story. Um, one of the, I'll tell you why in a second, but at one point in my life, um, I was very competitive. Now, I'm not saying I'm not ever, this will never rise up again. I mean, I haven't been playing competitive sports consistently, but, um, we were at Camp Horizon. And this was at a football tournament. Now, I don't know if anybody remembers this story, but it's, it's one of my embarrassing things to talk about. But I just remember that it was a turning point in my life. I, somebody threw a pass, and I was, it was, it was people in this church that were on the same team, but Lindsay happened to be on it. And he dropped the pass, whatever it was. And I just remember crossing routes or something. I don't know if we got mixed up. And I used to, I just stood on him, and I just got what are you doing? Like, I was just yelling at him. And his face was at, like this at me. And I'm like, I, I just remember that was a turning point. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, he doesn't have the same intensity and passion for something that's so useless. And really, I just blew my testimony in front of all these people. And and forever, that's going to be seared in my mind. And I'm like, man, that's as far as it's taken me that, you know, and really, you know, full of faith and, 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 and all this. You know, you look at Stephen. You know, where did it take him? Did he, was he just faithful up until a certain point? He was faithful all the way to the end. Even when he died, he was full of grace, right? And so that's what I want, consistency in my life. You know, not just being, you know, up to a certain point, but then when sports are involved, I lose my cool, right? I lose my temper. Sometimes we, we say that, especially being out in the soccer field, right? Sometimes you, you find out that, you know, the, that kind of competition brings out the real person in some people, right? That's the great, you know great litmus test sometimes sometimes even social media is right because it ends up turning people inside out and they see really what's going on in their life but you know stephen was a man that was full of faith spirit wisdom grace let me get to power too but he he carried through his entire life even when he was faced with execution he says listen don't lay this at their charge don't blame them for this they don't even know what they're doing and that can be only a person that's full of grace, right? And then finally, full of power. 
uh, what does it mean to be full of power? Well, somebody, again, progression. If a person, it's not just that, you know, i got to go out there and work out and get as big as, let's talk about him because he's not here, Luke Hansford, right? That's a big, strong guy, right? i got to get big like him. No, this is a person who shows God's power through their life. You know, think about Samson, some of the uh, greatest um, heroes. You know, Samson, you know, when he, what was it when he was actually uh, useful to the Lord and when he possessed the strength? When he actually, well, he uh, believed and he followed what God told him ahead of time, right, that he can't cut his hair. It wasn't just his hair was the power. It was that God gave him a, 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 a problem, uh, gave him a, um, a stipulation to what he had, and he just couldn't cut it. Yeah, listen, there's a Nazarite that you you got to be a Nazarite, right? you got to fulfill this vow. Until that time, if you cross that line, then, you know, there's going to be no power. And so, you know, Stephen was full of these things. And, and, you, and you see that when, 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 when all these things in the close communion, right, what is the reaction, not just on Stephen's life, right, that he's changed, but it says this, that he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Right, he was tremendously used by God amongst the people because of his personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? And that he was in so in love with him, and that he was um, uh, so enamored and just wanting to serve him that the Lord used him. Now, we are completely out of time, but I, I did want to mention a few things. But you know what? I think Wincy, uh, we, we we talked about this in the question, so we'll save it for that. So we won't say too much about the synagogue of the free man. We'll just stop there. But the striving in verse 8 of, uh, and 11 of Stephen is that he goes out, right? He, he's, he, in, 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 he must have had time in between this program, this food distribution program, to go out and still you know, be a witness, right? He wasn't, you know, think about it, he wasn't just consigned to uh, serving tables. No, this man was, was moving around, right? He was doing whatever the Lord put before him. He was doing great signs and, and wonders, and there was an issue with um, uh, some of the uh, unbelievers that he was talking to, and they wanted to incite. They, you know, they had enough of it. They, it says there that they could not overcome, they could not withstand the wisdom and spirit, verse 10, uh, that he was speaking. And you think, wow, you know, that, that kind of, you know, that's, <laughs> sometimes I think that's really where I want to be, and I want to study really hard, and I just want to slay people with this knowledge, that, and then they're just so dumbfounded. But that's not the case with Stephen, right? They, the Lord was using him and he was just bringing things up and the Holy Spirit was speaking through him and they could not withstand the Spirit. And, and this is what happens. You know, we do this in ourselves. You know, we're, when we're confronted with something that's pushing down on us, right? Again, we're, we, we let off with the problem. You know, it's not good to run away. And, you know, sometimes we just, to, to deal with the problem, we're going to kick back. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever um, had any kind of witness with personal with somebody or in, in a public setting, but you'll get people that react to it in a very antagonistic way. These people, same way. You know what? Hey, we can't withstand him. We can't overcome him. And we can't argue him away. You know, we're going to get remove him out of the picture. We're going to get him out of here. And, and and I don't think at this point they wanted to kill him, but uh, eventually got to that point that they got him arrested they 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 got false witnesses to accuse him. Now, I always find this interesting. I don't know if when you come across this, think of Jezebel. Remember when Ahab wanted the um, Naboth's field? This is back in the Old Testament. Um, Jezebel uh, hired people to accuse Naboth of something he never did. And I'm thinking, man, these crooked people, why do they need the law to actually put them away? Because in their minds, you know, this is to legitimize Ahab's claim, you know, why don't you just go out there and, and 
shoot them or get rid of them, but they have to use the law and what they feel is right to remove the person from the situation and then they have a claim on it. Same with the Lord Jesus, right? You know, you think, where's the justice then? You know, if this life, and, and really this gave me, um, this gave me encouragement because you think about some of these, these guys and women sometimes in history that are just pure evil, right? And the, and the amount of, of, of infliction and pain that they it cause on humanity, and it seems in the end they end up just shooting themselves or something and they, and they escape human justice, but they're not escaping, right? <laughs> we know there's still going to be a judgment for them. And so, listen, there's a, lot of unjust, there's a lot of unjust things that we're seeing. And what happened to Stephen, right, he knew, listen, if the Lord's in control at this point. If this is where he's leading me, I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to go with it. If they want to bring me to a, their court, fine. We'll see what happens. We'll see if the Lord's going to use me. And that's the way he handled it. Um, and he was seized, right? They set up false witnesses. And uh, they said that he was going to. Now, some of the things they said was, was kind of. Now, this is interesting. Because um, he's incarcerated, right? Oh, I think um, this is also for Mike and my dad, and they like these kind of like, I, I, I forget to mention this, I-S-I-S-S, anyway. So when I did my outline, it's in there. So, But he's incarcerated, um, and he's taken away. Now, um, how would he defend himself? Now, Stephen, there's 60 verses that dedicated to his defense, but... What they accused him of, this is setting the, this is setting the backdrop for what we, we're going to cover in the loyal Lord next week. But he says, this man, uh, never ceases to speak words. If you give, just give me a few more minutes. Never speak, uh, ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law. Listen, he's after our established religion. He's speaking against this building right here and there in the temple, right? That's where Stephen was talking about. And he's speaking against the temple. He's against Moses. And what does Stephen do in the next chapter? He says, fine. You're going to say I'm against the building and you're going to say I'm against the Lord, uh, against the law. Well, I'm going to tell you your history is you're against God. You're against the God of the building. And he starts all the way with Abraham and he goes to Joseph and he goes to Moses. He says, listen, there was, there, there was deliverers that God raised up amongst you, starting with Joseph and then to Moses and you cast him out. You didn't even want him. You didn't even want God's deliverer. Ultimately, the ultimate deliverer, God's son, and you didn't even want him. He says, fine, you're going to say I'm against the temple? I'm going to say you're against the God of the temple. And so that's his defense, right? And 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 really, Stephen uses this. Um, and I'm sorry, Mike, for treading on your, your content. That's all I'm going to say on that. But it sets the stage, right, that his incarceration and what they accused him from, he uses it in his in his message to speak to them. He says, fine. And this is, this is also helps us too as well. Cause sometimes we get, we, especially talking to people and, and they bring up these, these crazy questions and we know they're just smoke screens to not, you know, cause they're very convicted. But you know what? What I read in Acts is that they did answer it. They did confront it, but they always brought it back to the gospel, right? They always addressed what was being said. Remember in Acts chapter two, they said when, when, when the people were coming to see with this great noise and what was happening and the mighty rushing wind, there was a hurricane going on, and then they heard people speaking in different languages. They said, ha, these guys are just drunk. That's all it was. It was 9 a.m. in the morning, but they're just drunk. That's why they're getting out crazy. Peter says, no, that's not that what you're saying. It. You know, He didn't just brush over it. He addressed it and then moved on. He sprung into what his message was. And this is exactly what Stephen did. Listen, he says... You know, you might think, oh man, I'm being arrested for something I never did, and I need to, I need to speak out. He just went with it. He says, fine. 
I'm going to use what you're telling me, and I'm going to point to, and I'll make it where it's going to be glorifying my message to, uh, to the God of heaven, right? And so you're going to say that I'm against this temple, and I'm against this law. Well, I'm going to say you've always been against the God of the temple. And he's going to give them a brief history. Well, not so brief, but he's going to great, you know, speak this great message. And really, that's all we have about Stephen, right, is in 6 and 7. And, of course, um, that's not the end, right? Because what happened, right, the church was dispersed. Not only that, there's a man there that was at his execution. And no doubt, you know, when he meets the Lord later and he's saved, it doesn't really say it then, but, you know, he must have remembered when they were chucking stones at this guy and killing him and putting him to death. And, and you know, normally when people do that, you know, they're out there cursing. They say, you know, ah, whatever. What is he doing? They looked at him and he says he's the face of an angel, right? And he just says, Father, forgive them. Oh, just don't lay the sin at their charge. He's, you know, full of grace. And even in death, right, uh, Paul must have looked back at that time. And this man that was put to death wrongly, you know, man, he must have been. There must have been something in him, right? It wasn't just that he was a great religious person, but that he had a personal relationship with the God of heaven, right, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Stephen... And in the in the just the brief that we're introduced to him, it's just a lasting effect, right? And and what he did, and what the Lord was able to through through this man, and really what the Lord's able to do through anybody, right? Not just being available. It's not just about that. It's just that 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 person who's remember what we can strive for is that we're full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, full of faith, full of grace, right? A person full of power that's that's just controlled um, by the, the the Holy Spirit, and that the Lord. And it's just in close communion, right, with that person, with that person, the Lord is able to use because, right, they're looking out for the same things that He wants, and their mind and their and and right, there's not a competing uh, 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 goals, right? Sometimes that's where our conflict is, is because I want to do this with my life, and really the Lord wants to do this with my life, and and really when we get those things aligned, that's when the Lord can really start using us, and there's great things that can happen. And so, just a few, uh, just a a short little uh, introduction to Stephen, and we'll look to Lord Willing next week to find out the conclusion of his uh, story. And so let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you um, for uh, this introduction into this man, and um, as great as he was and being used, Lord, we want to pursue those, those uh, we want to be used too as well. And it's not that um, it's unattainable, but Lord, it's just in a close relationship, being filled by your spirit, and we just desire to uh, bloom and flourish wherever you planted it, not just look for great ways of ministering and, and food distribution. Sometimes you might just put us in some little corner, but it's such a great thing that only you can see. And so, Father, we just want to be useful and we want to serve you and the Lord Jesus. And we just thank you for uh, your word, and we just pray that you bring us home safely. In the Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.